Welcome to For the Love of Safety, the show for you health and safety professionals out there, where hosts Justin and Jed talk about their experiences in this fun, frustrating, and rewarding field of occupational health and safety. Let's get to it. Welcome to For the Love of Safety. This is our first episode after our wonderful prologue that you got to listen to and learn a little bit about Justin and myself, Jed, here on For the Love of Safety. So today, we're going to go over a little episode that we like to call Safety at Home versus Safety at Work. Oh, yeah. So we're going to talk about some, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about some of the, uh, the fun things that happen at home, whether it's with us whether it's with our employees, but we also want to we also want to work into this episode how we how we see what we learn at work, what we learn at home, transitioning back and forth, and, and giving some hopefully some tips and some pointers on what we see as an improving safety culture with how our people act and behave at home, and and really what they can bring to the table coming back from the home place. And to start all this off, Justin and I thought it would be hilarious to bring in some family members. So today we've got some special guests right off the bat, special guests along mm-hmm. with Justin and I, uh, first we have Abby Clavin, which is Justin's beautiful daughter. Say hi. He's going <laughs> to, hi. Hey, Abby going to maybe dump some dirt on daddy today <laughs> on the silly things that he does at home. Oh yeah. And we also have Laura Crawford, which is my wife. Your beautiful wife. <laughs> Come on. Oh, I think thank you. <laughs> and you know, she's gonna she's gonna have maybe a couple silly stories about how I'm quote unquote safe at home. Uh, so we're looking forward to this. So Justin, who do you want to uh, kick off with the first fun thing? When we when we safety professionals talk about and here I think this is the point. Look, we we do silly things too. We are human beings. You know, you're going to hear a lot about that on this show. And we just thought to almost break the ice, I guess, in, in a way. Guys and gals out there, look, we do some silly things too. Yeah. And I, I think it's also important because when we, when we tell people, you know, don't do that. Sometimes it's because we know what happens when you do that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Abby, why don't, why don't you kick it off? Why don't you start with... Um, just one of the things that you remember that I've done in the uh, in the recent past. How about that? Want to start with the last thing that happened? Maybe this summer. Um, you rolled your ankle while weed whacking right before we went to the beach. Well, give give some more context on that. It, you know, how soon before? I think it was the day before we went to the beach. It was more like six hours. <laughs> Remember, it was in the evening. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What? How? How did I? Did you? Did you see? You saw me fall, right? No, that was Aiden. Oh, that was Aiden. <laughs> I grabbed the wrong child. Um. Okay, so well, you... I was outside and I saw you come back limping, and I was really confused. That's right. That's right. That's right. You were in the backyard. I'm sorry. And this happened in the front yard. So, uh, you know, here I am trying to get the lawn done right before we're gone for a week. Uh, we were, you know, drove down to, uh, to a nice little, little condominium that we had rented for our family. And I thought it would be a great idea to go weed whack in some really long grass with just plain tennis shoes. And I really was not paying attention to what I was doing. 
and I stepped in a in a uh, in a hole that I know knew was there. It's been there since we moved here. We've lived here for almost five years now, <laughs> and I just heard the snap the second I I burned it. I stepped in. It was my right leg. Oh no! Yes, and the the drive was not short. So, do you remember what we had to do after I? Because I hurt myself, and then I had to to yell for someone to come help me, right? Yeah, I had to go back and forth. Back and forth. What did you have to get? Do you remember? No. <laughs> what did I eventually end up on, though? Remember the um, Clousers were over too. Yeah, we borrowed their crutches. And their and their brace thingy. Their air cast. That's right. And did I drive the next day? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> did I complain the whole time? I don't think. Did you? I don't know. You were asleep for some of it because we left so early in and the morning. And then I went into Lydia's car. Oh, that's right. You did. You drove home with somebody else. So anyway, that was that was the. Uh, I think, well, actually, it wasn't the last thing I did, but that was the one of the, the more inconvenient injuries that I received. Yep. So so you were, don't, don't tell me it's not so, you were <laughs> trying to get something done mm-hmm. at the end of the week mm-hmm. before you had to go do something else, mm-hmm. but your mind was on another thing probably, mm-hmm. not the task that you were doing, and you just yep. had to rush through it and end up getting hurt. Yep. No. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <sighs> yeah, uh-huh. That that sums it up pretty well, Jed. So with that yeah. with that volley, you know, I serve it back to you. Oh, I don't do any of that stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Jed's MO at home is uh, usually there's like something happening and I will give a perfect example of this. Um and I'm standing there going, "Um, are you sure that's safe?" Oh, yeah, it's totally fine, honey. Yeah, no worries. And then the moment he says that, inevitably, whatever it was that I was concerned about happens or goes wrong. Um, Actually, to back that up real quickly, Justin, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I have a a memory of when we moved into Hampstead in the townhouse Mm -hmm. there by you guys. We had just started uh, the job working at Textron. We were doing some kind of home repair. Um, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but I remember Jed put himself in some precarious position and I, whatever it was, it was like he was standing on something that was definitely not safe, like the railing or something. And I thought I took a picture of it and sent it to you. You did. It was like, um, so your new employee is <laughs> doing something not safe right now. Oh, you know, Do you remember I, think that? I, I think that was down in the living room, no. the dining room. Yes. It was in and the I bathroom. Was, I it almost bathroom. had my, I, I thought. Oh, I thought I had my head next to the fan that was running. That's what I remembered was his head was he was he was up by a fan that was going. And I'm looking at it going, you were about to hit your head off of that fan right now. (laughs) And I thought I took a picture of it and sent it to you. See, I thought that was the bathroom. Well, we did a project in the bathroom, too. So there's probably a picture from that as well. <laughs> but but the uh, but the gi- yeah the gist was the same. I, he he was elevated um, on yes. a surface and not paying attention to where his head was. Right. <laughs> so like his head was about to get chopped off by the fan in the first episode there. <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, and didn't you just get hired as a safety manager? Like, <laughs> oh, that was hysterical. So, so I, I will add before she tells any other stories. I do, like for all the listeners out there, I do have, maybe a little bit pridefully so, kind of a customary response. 
So when these conversations come up, I'll typically look at Laura, my beautiful wife. Laura, I am a safety professional, a board certified safety professional. Okay. <laughs> I know what I'm doing here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well that... So you see what I'm dealing with here. <laughs> that actually segues very well into into something that I often do as well, because I do say the same thing. I'm, you know, and Abby will tell you what happened here, but we just got two, two kittens over Thanksgiving, and I was going to build a cat tree. And I was going to use every tool in my workshop in order to do this, to cut the wood, you know, put the sisal on, make sure that, or sisal, however you say that, you know, make sure that the, the, the box was straight. I was going to use screws. I was going to use nails. And my wife looked at me and I said, I said the same thing. I'm fine. I'm a safety professional. So Abigail, <laughs> take it awesome. from there. <laughs> um, I think you were using a nail gun to nail the pieces of wood together and your hand slipped and you shot a nail through your thumb. And what did I do? You grabbed a shop towel and wrapped it up and kept going. <laughs> but how did you find oh, out man. about that? Because I was downstairs and you came out with a bloody towel on your <laughs> finger. <laughs> oh my goodness. And what was the first thing that I said? Oh, you said don't tell mommy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's exactly right. Oh, it's too funny. Yeah, that one though. That uh, I, I was actually going slow. Um, I, I think the thing that that really got me was more um, more complacency because I, I I was working up on a four foot workbench, and I was holding the nail gun down like shooting towards the bench, uh, putting in. Uh, if you're making a box, I was doing the edge of it, and I had I knew that you know there's possibility that I could hit a finger, so I had my thumb out of the way. And mm -hmm. when I went to pull the trigger, uh, the, the first time, so this actually happened a couple of times, the first time the gun shifted slightly <laughs> and the nail came out and it just missed my thumb. I was like, huh. <gasps> so I did what any rational person would do. I moved my thumb back so that I wouldn't hit it next time. Well, then I squeezed it without moving myself in relation to it. And it shifted down again and this time shot at more of an angle and went right into my finger. <laughs> It was a one-inch nail. Oh, my oh. goodness. Yeah, and oh. it went through the tip of my finger, out through my nail. It, there was there was a lot of blood, and, uh, yeah, and actually, Mommy didn't find out about it at all because I cleaned it up, and to Abby's point, it kept going. You know, shop towel and duct tape. That's how you do first aid, Jed. <laughs> oh, yeah, tell me about it. Rub some dirt in it. <laughs> yep. Rub some dirt in it. I've spit got a story it. for that after... That's right. Yeah, and After the, our guests leave, and I uh, I opened the door to my basement to go. I had to go get some water to you know wash the blood off of my hand, and uh, there was Abby, and so I said, shh, <laughs> and she actually she ran upstairs. She got some ice for me um, because it was uh, it was it it was pulsating pretty bad. I wanted to you know get it cold to control the bleeding a little bit. I think mommy didn't find out because she was watching a show. That's true too. That that helped and I hit it pretty good because I you know I I have band-aids on my hands all the time. And but not for what you think, not for what you think cuz in the winter time my skin splits pretty good and since we've been doing nothing but washing our hands and sanitizer, I've got a lot of splits and so it's not unusual to see a band-aid on my finger. So she didn't say anything, and it wasn't until I was clipping the nail, 
because the nail had finally, I think it was like a week later, the nail had finally grown out and I was snapping and she's like, what's wrong with your nail? I said, nothing. <laughs> what's that mark on your thumb? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's oh, too funny. Yeah. And after which she said, and you're doing a podcast. I said, shh. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So that was number Make two. Make sure she listens to this episode. Oh, yeah. Yes, she believed me. I'm going to force her to listen to this one. <laughs> All right. So your turn, Jed. How about volleyball? How about, how about emergency preparedness? Oh, yeah. This is the you, other you, one you, I wanted you, to tell. Yeah, I, I would figure that's the one you love to oh, tell. Oh, yeah. This is my favorite one. Um, <laughs> so we were at our, at our last house here, and um, there was a massive, massive storm, like a thunder, wind... I mean, it was crazy just pouring down the rain and it was summertime and I looked outside and the kids were all asleep at that point, looked outside and um, the wind's just whipping and we had left the umbrella up on our little, um, whatever you call it, just deck patio <laughs> furniture, yeah. right? And I look out and I think I turned the light on so I could see because I was like, oh man, it's really, it's really howling out there. And I said, Jed... Do you think we should go out and put the umbrella down thinking, you know, it could fall and break the window. It could do all kinds of damage in this wind. <laughs> he goes, no, it'll be fine. I am not kidding you. That second we both look out the window, the wind picks the whole thing up, lifts it completely out of view. We couldn't even see it. We hear it crash on the roof and yeah. then we go out and it had landed out in the yard. Like 20 yards like 20, away. Yeah, I was going to say it was a good ways out in the yard. Thankfully, no damage was done, but it was the timing of that was impeccable. Literally, I, Jed, do you think we should go take care of that? No, no, it'll be fine. It was, Boom. yeah, it was and legitimately it just like Mary Poppins. Flew. It just went yeah. And it clear was crazy. out of and the it banged on the roof pretty good, so it was that was a good one. <laughs> so, uh, so you made a hazard assessment and maybe missed uh, missed one of those those critical errors that could happen, huh? Yes, when when I surveyed the situation, <laughs> looking and evaluating the severity of the exposure, I did not treat it with the respect that it deserved. <laughs> And we had to consequently buy new furniture. I was going to say, the umbrella was destroyed. <laughs> but we didn't have to buy a new roof. So. That, uh, that was a good thing. That yeah, that, good you thing. get lucky about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did. All right, Abby, you ready to share <laughs> one more? Sure. I don't remember this too, too well, but it was the first time we went to the Outer Banks. Mm -hmm. And we were bringing our stuff into the beach house and you ripped your toenail off mm -hmm. on the stairs i think yep yep i did and how long have we been there like five minutes or something. <laughs> yes this is a true story so abby was really small when that happened i think she was like four or five and, you know, we were going down the Outer Banks. It was our first time. And I was wearing Crocs because, you know, we're going to the beach. And I wanted, I did thought shoes were too constrictive. So I had these Crocs on and I think they were the ripoff ones because they had really big holes in them. And uh, when we got to the beach house, I just wanted to <laughs> unload everything. We just, we wanted to be there, you know. So we start unloading the car. I had my first round of, of things. It was way too high. I couldn't see completely over the top of it. And uh, the steps there, for some reason, were carpeted. And I remember thinking that was a little bit weird uh, when I started up the stairs. Well, I stumbled a little bit. 
um, while I was taking the step with, with my left foot. I think it was the left one I ripped off. No, it was my right nail. It was my right nail I ripped off. And I, I, I lunged forward a little bit and somehow the bottom of the crock hit the bottom part of that carpet and my toe went through. The toenail hit the carpet and I stepped and it just ripped uh, right oh. off. Oh, oh Justin. Yeah. Oh. And it was, uh, it, you know, Rachel had been, my wife had been telling the people, because we went with four families, had been telling them that, you know, just wait, Justin always gets hurt. That's why we carry this medical bag in, in the back. And we had this this big. Uh, it was the Textron uh, first responder bag that 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 big yellow one, Jed, or orange oh, yeah. one. I remember. Yeah. And so uh, you know, here I am, and I had to stop everything because I'm bleeding all over the place. You know, the nails like off and hanging on the carpet. The uh, um, there's just there's blood everywhere, Oof. and I I stopped and I had to get it wrapped up, and it ruined the first four days that we were there because you how how do you get on sand? You can't walk yeah. on sand with that open thing. Um, so I, I think I remember wearing a sock maybe because nothing was going to stop me getting into the beach. Yes. So there I was again, Good rushing, man. not paying attention, carrying too much, and, uh, and yeah, suffer the consequence of that. Mm. Well, I, have, I can offer one more mm-hmm. that will kind of lead into a little bit me and then somebody else, but it's hilarious. Okay. And I'm not saying it's something I wouldn't do because I probably would do the same thing and practically almost did the same thing. But when we were fixing up our bathroom at our old townhouse, it was copper pipes and we replaced everything with copper. We left that Mm -hmm. in there. So I had never, uh, you know, did the the soldering deal and and replacing all that. So it was fun. I got to learn and and try it and it didn't leak, which was great. After the third or fourth try, it didn't (laughs) leak, but, um, in the midst of that, as I'm heating up the pipes and trying to rip the joints apart, I had inadvertently touched a lower portion of the pipe with my hand and heat travels and, you know, went, you know, got my hand singed. Not a big deal. Everyone's probably done that, just not paying attention. We have a friend who I will name or remain nameless, but we have a friend, older gentleman in, in our church, who told us a story, almost the same thing. And so they were repairing their home or updating their home maybe. And so they had these floorboards ripped off and, and in the joists they could see the uh, the pipes. And he was doing basically the same thing, heating up a joint to pull it apart to fix a section of pipe. So as he's heating up the pipe, you know, that heat's traveling back that pipe. And at some point, now you got a picture, his head is up in between these joists and him trying to get up in there really tight and do this. Some Somehow through all that, his head touches the pipe and, you know, instinctively pulls back, hits the floor just on the other side, hits that side, pulls back, hits the pipe again, and, like, he went back and forth. And he got, like, three or four singe marks on the side of his head before he pulled his head out. Oh, that is fantastic. That's a good one. Oh, it was yeah. hilarious. And uh, he tells the story like a champ. He uh, he, he owns it and laughs, laughs it off now, but my goodness, we've probably all been in that kind of a situation. Mm. Yes. Where we've, we've been in a precarious situation, I mean. Yes. So Abby actually had one more, and I'm going to let her tell part of it, um, and then I'm going to provide a little bit more context. Because when I first approached her about doing this, th- this was the first injury she thought of. When I said, hey, I want you to tell times when you know I got hurt, 
And this was actually a workplace injury, but I'm gonna let her tell it because it's, it's kind of funny. So go ahead, Abby. This is the first one you remembered. You were, where were you? I was at, I was off site at a place that, uh, we'll just say uh, that had some, some fighter aircraft. So you were, they had just freshly painted the airplane or jet or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And you weren't paying attention to where you were going. And you wa- walked right into the wing and you got blood all over the <laughs> freshly painted airplane. <laughs> Now the the I've not heard this one. What what I well not, hardly anyone has. I don't even think Jed knows, but Jed knows where I'm talking about. I don't. I yeah, I know where you're talking about, but yep. honestly, I did not know about this. Yep. So the reason that she knows is because I made the mistake of texting my wife, who laughed so hard because I sent her a picture. It was a selfie. It was a selfie of me with this ridiculous oh gash goodness. across my forehead looking into the mirror like I was a moron. And she said, what in, what did you do? And I told her, and she went and told everybody. And when I got home, when I got home from the trip, um, because it was, it was, it wasn't flying. It was a drive. It was only a three hour drive. Um, you know, it was still there and Abby just died. And I thought that that was hysterical. That's what she remembered. But I'm also going to give some context to this because it was a lot worse, not the injury, but the circumstance was a lot worse and it was incredibly embarrassing. So I am uh, in this particular site. There are um, aircraft and there's three different bays that they call them bays. It's, it's one single hangar that they have sectioned off into three different types of maintenance that they're doing. And on the left side is not is kind of light maintenance. The middle and the right are more heavy maintenance. And typically on that side is when you have the aircraft up on jacks. And when they're not on jacks, the wings come up to about your neck. So as you're walking in between these aisles to the right hand side, you typically have to be careful because the wings are about, you know, six to eight inches higher than on the left. And that's right at eye level. So I was doing an inspection and I was walking over onto the left because quite frankly, it's light maintenance there. I've never seen them on jacks before. And I, I was looking down because you're going to, you know, the wings are, like I said, they're about neck chest level and you can see them. You can friggin' see them. Well, they had one of the things up on jacks because they didn't have enough room in one of the bays. And I was walking at a pretty good clip and I hit this thing and all the maintenance people were all around me. And I had my, the, the escort that we normally work with behind me and I hit it and it, I saw stars. I hit it so hard. And it was right at my I forehead. It was right above my eye line on my forehead. And of course, that's where all the blood vessels are, you know, and the clang that happened stopped everyone. And I, I was kind of dazed and I didn't know what was going on. I looked down and there's a piece of my forehead on the freaking wing. And my escort, oh my escort my. from West, he's from West Virginia. I just don't want to use names or anything. You know exactly who I'm talking about, Jed. He looked at me. He goes, yep. we just painted that thing. <laughs> We just got it back. Oh, oh my and here goodness. the safety guy is, and he's yelling this in the hangar, and here the safety guy is coming over, messing up my paint job, and they lost it. They were laughing so hard, and the and oh, that imagine. plane was getting ready to go out on, on, on a mission. And so five minutes later, they dropped the thing, and the pilot comes up to me a little bit later because, I mean, obviously it, he knew who I was because you see the freaking Band-Aid on my forehead because I was bleeding all over the place. And he just starts giving me a hard time about getting blood on his on his brand new wing. 
And after he takes off, oh, one of the maintenance my. guys comes over to me. He goes, you know, if if, uh, if anything happens during his flight, it's because you hit his wing. And it just, it kept going. And it was all day. And I was there for another day after that. And I just, it was constantly oh. being ribbed, which is probably why I didn't bring it up. And I think the, the worst part about that is because it was a workplace injury, I had to tell my boss. Oh, no. Good incident reporting. Uh-huh. Oh, no. And at that, at that time, I had three of them. So I had to tell my immediate boss. I had to tell his, his boss, who was also my boss. This is a very, very weird connection. And then I had to tell um, the corporate individual as well that I had gotten hurt because it was going to be on the injury report. Um, so oh that's God. why, wow. uh, I, that's why you've never heard that story. <laughs> that's wow. one way to get your wings, Justin. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? They never did give me a ride. I was sure. Sure. After that, they felt bad enough to do it, but nope. Nope. It wasn't. I would <laughs> Well, thank you very much for joining us, Abby and Laura. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Abby. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and, uh, and take a short break here so we can resituate ourselves. All right. We're back. <laughs> that was fun. Yes. Always good to get the good, fun stories behind, behind what's going on. Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, but, I, you know, we, we do that because we thought it would be, be hysterical. But at the same time, too, we kind of, I think we really wanted to, to prove that you know, no one's perfect and it's hard. It is really, really hard to, you know, stay safe all the time. And it's important to, you know, do your best to, to practice this both at home and at work because an injury at home can actually affect you at work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we can talk about how if you get, if you get hurt at home over whatever the circumstance might be, you very well might be going into a situation at work to where either you can't perform the job that you once had, or honestly, if, if you get hurt at home, obviously work doesn't know about it unless it's something that's blatantly obvious. And I suppose, I guess where I'm going with that is it matters just as much there coming in as it matters just as much at work going home. Because you could be setting yourself up for other dangers. You could be setting your coworkers up for other dangers. I mean, that's that's the same kind of thing that we deal with in the workplace. It's it's there in the in the home place as well. Yeah, and the cumulative trauma can also lead to it. I mean, I, th- I think a hearing hearing is kind of the the best example of of this, um, where you know trauma at work builds on trauma at home. So you know, for you listeners that. That may not have as much experience with noise as an industrial hygienist. We worry about this because you That's you a have a, a standard standard over eight hours. You know you've got eight hours of exposure that you're allowed to have um, that that will prevent you from losing your hearing, and you're supposed to have 16 hours of rest, mm-hmm. 16 hours where you're not being exposed to that level. But if you if you st- are at work and you're being exposed, like I said, eight hours of high noise, you go home. You know, driving home, listening to music, shooting guns, doing all these other things, that trauma, you're not giving your ears a chance to to recover. And so you're overexposing yourself without even realizing it. And again, it's cumulative over time. So, it, you know, something that's going on at, at 
at work is at home and is contributing what's going on at work. And it, it just keeps building and eventually you're going to lose your hearing. Yeah. And, that, and so that's a really good example. And on top of that, for, you know, actively working professionals and certainly in, in industrial hygienists, people who handle hearing claims, hearing programs, that's a perfect example of what we're talking about. Because for anybody who's had to work these things, you know, there is no way to distinguish between noise-induced hearing loss that happens at home and happens at work. So you, if you already work in a high-noise environment and then go do the things that Justin just talked about, exactly, cumulatively, you're going to damage your hearing. And then that's going to wind up, assuming you, you stay in that job, you're in that hearing program, that's going to wind up on your employer. And your employer might be doing everything right. Your employer might have a great control system, a great hearing conservation program, you know, all those things. And yet, the moment it comes up that you have a high noise environment or that you're in an HCP, there's, I mean, it's always going to be ruled that way. I wish it wasn't that way, but that's a perfect example of people needing to think about it. And not just because of the company's recordability sake or hearing conservation program, but because it's, that's your hearing health. What we yeah. talk about in that workplace and trying to protect you there, we, it doesn't change. The exposure, the hazard doesn't change just because you go home. You need to utilize those things at the house. So that's a perfect example. Perfect example. And this is not, not, it's not just hearing, you know, it is everything else. And we, as health and safety professionals, it's not just the workplace that worries about this. The military has actually been worried about this for a while. And I'm going to specifically call out the air force just because I've, I've, I've seen, seen what they're doing and they're using something called total, total exposure health where, you know, they look at exposures happening in your life, not just at work, but at home. And a lot of the data is really interesting. And I don't want to, and I don't want to go through all of it, but if you guys out there just, just look up the Air Force Medical Service and Total Exposure Health, you'll see. And it's it's been going on for at least, I've seen it for the last five years. Um, I'm not too sure how far back it goes, but you know, from a military standpoint too, they've got mostly young people that are enrolled and, you know, they'll go, mm-hmm. um, they'll go, uh, when they get off duty, they party just as hard, <laughs> you know, trying to relieve some stress. And, you know, they've, they're really trying to understand those exposures and educate people on how to prevent them because, you know, they, it affects your life. And I, I think sometimes we forget that. I mean, injuries, if they can be, if they're severe enough, they, they affect both your personal and your, your work life. And Jed, you've heard me say this, I'm not talking about paper cuts, right? Right. I, you know, you're human, you're going to get hurt. My job as a health and safety professional, in my opinion, is to make sure that what happens to you doesn't change your quality of life at work and at home. I'm not going to get on you about a paper cut, um, but I'm going to get on you about, you know, grabbing your shotgun and uh, going out hunting without any hearing protection. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just talked about this. is so funny. I just talked about this concept, though I did not use the term. NIOSH does the same or has a similar program, Total Worker Health. And it's it's probably, it, it's in that same vein. But without using those terms, I gave some, we I did some uh, refresher OSHA and MSHA training last week at one of our sites. And I used the example of brake cleaner. You know, some of these older guys that, that come from just solid maintenance backgrounds and, and really have a lot of knowledge to bring to the table when it comes to the work site of just things that they do um, for fun or for hobbies. Or some of these guys even have their own little side gigs or in side businesses. 
And it was just one of those those things that worked. Spray my hand with brake cleaner and clean all this grime off and, you know, get done, head in the house. Well, there's a whole load of things about using what you just talked about in, in a total sense of looking at your exposures, looking at what you're doing. Not only are you obviously affecting your own body, but thinking about your exposures in such a way that you're looking at your families, that you're looking at other people, that you're looking at what are you taking home, um, what's going on within your home. And I, it's funny because I just, like I said, I just talked to them about this to say the, the problems might be aimed at you, whether you know them or not, but the effects could certainly be bigger than just you. You need to have an eye of looking at the 30,000 foot view of what's going on that you might be exposing other people, what's going on that you might actually suffer down the road or other people might suffer down the road. No, you're, I, I think you're absolutely right. So with all this knowledge and this, this evidence, um, you know, some of it, like I said, is, is research that we've seen. Others is just kind of common sense that these injuries compound themselves. Now the question is everyone asking is, so what do we do? How do we, how do we do that? How do we help people? How do we prevent these injuries? Um, and that's actually a lot trickier. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I, I kind of enjoy what we were talking about, because if health and safety professionals struggle with it, how are you supposed to get somebody who's not a health and safety professional to do it? Yeah. Um, and I, I think, um, you know, and you've said this in, um, before is, you know, you got to talk to people. And you've got to educate them. Um, no, we can't control your exposure outside of work, but we can give you every tool that we could possibly think of to help you make um, a better decision about what you're doing. Um, and some of the injuries that have happened to me have changed my behavior. Uh, for instance, I no longer wear Crocs when I'm carrying <laughs> <laughs> heavy pieces of equipment anywhere. Um I, I learned this week never to cut your lawn the day before you're le- or this year never to cut your lawn the day before you're leaving for vacation. Yeah. Um, I learned, uh, you know, make sure that that you're very careful when you're doing your pneumatic gun, and lastly, make sure that you don't tell anybody that you got hurt if it's not at work. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> tell people, even though it was, it was, uh, even though it may be embarrassing, I think it's important. And that's the other reason why I, I told my boss and I told my wife and everyone else is because, you know, I'm trying to set an example too. You got to tell people when you get hurt. Yeah. But that's a different episode. Yeah, that's a different episode. But something that, that Justin is so right on with what he just explained there, people become safety, health and safety will quickly become out of touch. Professionals will become out of touch if you're not willing to have those discussions, don't I, I, anybody listening to this, I guarantee you has been through that corporate audit has been through that third party audit where people come in and it's just, it's just rules or it's just, you know, well, wh- why did that happen? Or you know, someone gets hurt and, or they're looking at the historical injuries or whatever it might be. And they, they say things and try to, they try to sound fancy and, and slick and, you're just out of touch with what's going on. And so one of the best ways to to prevent that is to talk to people. Let them bring in some of those experiences. Yes, I may not have an issue like lining up a nail and using a pneumatic nail gun and shooting my own. But you know what? Justin did. And maybe, maybe that can happen to me down the road. And so maybe I need to listen to him because... When, when folks come together like that 
and they collectively talk about the things that didn't go right, we can prevent the things from going wrong together. And I, that's something you're going to hear over and over again, I think, as these episodes continue to go, as this podcast continues to go, so we hope, is just the that foundational principle of talking to people and not being this stingy little lab rat that talks about rules. We, you know, that's not health and safety. Yeah. The, the other thing that I've, that I've tried, um, that has helped a couple of times is sometimes I'll give them PPE to take home. And I know that different companies have different policies and I know that not everyone has, has a budget to do this. Um, what I will simply tell you is that I spent, I don't know, 80 bucks on safety glasses that were, um, uh, ballistic grade and gave it to some of these folks to take home to try to show them that, you know, look, the PPE that you use here, you can use at home. And have, they started wearing these safety glasses. They loved them. They thought that they were the coolest thing in the world. You know, they had, they, they just felt neat because it on it right there, it was like made for ballistic, made for, uh, to prevent, uh, ballistic injuries. And it was just, it worked really well. I've done the same thing with hearing conservation. Um, actually, one of the coolest devices that we ever used was the the AirFit. Oh yeah, I think it's actually yep. uh, MSA makes that. And this is not a plug in any way, shape, or form for MSA. No. It's just a cool device, and it shows you how your ear earplug fits in. I actually think you did some of that testing, didn't you? you yeah, <clears throat> I, I did. I did, and actually, I think it was a. Th- I think it is a 3M product, but. Regardless, it was just really neat and it helped the workers, you know, they get to put their hands on things and they get to try this, try this version, try that version. Again, is it, I'm not going to say it's not scientific in that it's not objective in what it does. Of course, it's not going to give you, you know, the exact decibel reading inside versus outside when we talk about acoustic pressures, but they don't need to know that. What they need to know is guys, look, there is a difference in some of these plugs and there certainly is a difference on how you are putting them in there. And so if you can just overcome that hump a little bit and they can see the difference, that typically helps people use that not only at work then, then at home because that that visual sticks with them. So I, I'm always a fan of products like that. And yes, this is not a plug. We have just used this professionally and we like it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, um, and th- this is actually one of the one of the times in my life where I've used incentives, um, and, and this is a discussion for a different time. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a big fan of them when it comes to certain circumstances because I feel that it leads to some behavior that I'm not looking for. Right. But if you ever if you ever want uh, a, a group of guys to do something, make them compete against each other. Healthy competition. It, it tends to work. Healthy competition, exactly. And I'm men, women, however, if just workers in general, um, I found that that worked a little bit. We've tied it in before with uh, with the health incentive program, uh, you know, for for losing weight or eating better, however you want to do it. And you know, some, it, it works. And I think the important part that you know you continually point out is you got to talk to the people because it's not a one size fit all. You can't just do one thing and expect everyone to do it. You're going to have to do different approaches for different people and in different circumstances. And I guess that's the other piece of advice that I would have is don't just do one thing. Try a couple different um, avenues to get them to, um, to 
participate in this at home. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the variety, and I actually would I would I would um, tie that back to one of the previous things you were talking about with sending PPE home for people to try. You might not have the explicit budget for that, but I'm willing to bet that you could get a few dollars squared away to be able to try some of that. And this is this is how you would know if you have a whole group of machinists, if you have a whole group of people who work on airplanes and then they are always out at the airfield flying their own stuff and you start feeding them samples you say hey look this really works here here's a free one go try this out in your hobby they're going to take that anybody will take that and you mm-hmm. you've got there because you've talked to them you've leveled with them you do life with them and i can't stress that enough so i think that's a wonderful idea and as you said add variety try something else maybe it's not that kind of a program Maybe you shift it for your industry, but that shows that I can't remember who said it, but it's that it's the old quote. And I, you know, I apologize that I can't remember the, the author, but people don't care about how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not um, arguing for you know, emotionalism, but just reality being objective and real with people, it goes a long way. Yeah. And you you know also talk to your folks and see what types of injuries they're having at home get to know them exactly when you get to know them they'll they'll let you know what happens and that's important too because you know if we want to just briefly touch on metrics um, if you can figure out where their injuries are coming from i guarantee you that there was probably a hundred incidents that led up to there Mm -hmm. right just like any other and you know the 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 pyramid which pyramid is descriptive not predictive (laughs) Just saying that out another right now. And I know there's people out there. Another episode. I know people argue with that, but it's true. Um, but uh, if you can figure out that, then you can probably, you know, kind of work your way backwards and, you know, maybe even um, even have some sort of a metric that you could use at work when you talk to these folks, see if they'll get to tell you what's happened at home and you can even develop some sort of a, a proactive metric, you know, for that as well. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's great. And because look, they're going to do it, especially guys. It's a pride thing. I don't care what industry you're in. You know, every every guy's got that, uh, oh, yeah, let me show you mine kind of a <laughs> attitude. My scar is bigger than yours. Uh, but if you know what's coming, use it. Use it to your advantage. Yeah. Well, that was a fun, that was a fun episode to start out with. It's awesome. Uh, you know, just to recap, we... We talked about, or at least tried to open up with just something fun for you all. Look, it it happens to us too. It happens to everybody. You know, health and safety professionals aren't uh, somehow avoiding these things. We we all have a bit to grow and learn from, and we make silly mistakes too. We can always say, or at least Justin and I would like to say that that's that's another reason why it's important because getting hurt at home always translates to getting hurt at work, whether that's physical limitations or the experiences that you bring into the workplace and vice versa. So this is another reason why just even as even as our first episode, we really wanted to lay that out. And guess what? There's all kinds of fun ways that you can engage your workers. You know, we talked at length about getting to know them, about sharing the experiences and learning from one another in a way that really helps people identify exposures or really helps uh, folks have a better eye for true safety, not just compliance. And certainly more of, you'll hear more of that as we go on here. And really try some variety. 
I mean, you guys and gals out there can be extremely creative with this, the yeah. the safety versus at home versus at work. So get out there and just talk to your people. Try different things to engage them and to get that good communication going back and forth on what's happening at home versus what's happening at work. And before you know it, you'll have that much more engagement on your safety programs out there. And you're probably going to have some good laughs along the way too. <laughs> you should have good laughs because remember, you're... You, we love this profession. We want you guys to make sure that you love this profession as well. And uh, of course, if there's if there's any ideas that you have or anything that that you want to share or uh, just any comments in general from this podcast, we would love to hear from you. And we set up an email address so that you guys could contact us at uh, for the love of safety at gmail.com. That's the number four love of safety at gmail.com reach out to us we cannot wait to reach out to you guys on the next episode so be looking forward to that one and there you have it folks thanks for tuning in to for the love of safety you may always reach out to either justin or jed by email at for the love of safety at gmail.com that's the number four the love of safety at gmail.com health and safety is fun It's frustrating, but it is so rewarding. We'll see you again soon here at For the Love of Safety.